The Free for All Roundtable. Round one. On the panel, Jerry Agar is here, and Jerry Agar will be here from 9 to noon with the Jerry Agar Show. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers, also co-hosting The Rush this week with Rashmi Nair. And Scott Reed, CTV political commentator, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Um, let's start actually with some good news, because there's so much dreary stuff today, but uh, kids' medication on the way. Scott Reed, I don't know if you ever worked on a project like this at the national level. Apparently, it's the health department that's been shot around on international markets and they've managed to secure some kids cold medication it's going to take about two weeks to get it here but at least we're getting somewhere Fortunately, I never did have to work on something like this uh, you know I, I I was in government for you know that 16 year period uh, where supply chain issues didn't really arise as a practical matter uh, or interest rates. So I look back on it now as the golden age. But yeah, I mean, hopefully they come sooner rather than later. And, you know, hopefully they remain here. I I, I still have a bunch of boring questions. And everybody's like going, my God, uh, how do I get medicine for my kids? And that I understand, obviously. But you know, why does this happen? And, and how does it happen? And I, I want to understand that better because then, you know, I can understand whether it's going to happen again. But I... I thank God, I guess, that something's happening. Yeah, because I don't, in many, many years in radio, I don't ever remember entering into a discussion about supply chain. And now we've got a shopping list of experts in supply chain who join us every other day to talk about it. Uh, Deb Hutton, I know that you, uh, I think it was Tim was saying that you had tried to find some uh, cold medication in the States and fell up short there as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had heard that the Walmarts and the Targets and the drugstores near the border uh, were out of uh, out of supplies as well, just like here in Canada. So we went near the Buffalo Bills Stadium in Orchard Park, and they were also, now maybe that was the mistake, because all the Bills uh, fans from Canada had been going over, but the shelf, like it was, it was one of those eerie situations where everything stocked except for the long section of four or five shelves deep in the, in the kids' medicine aisle. I, I'm with Scott, though, in terms of some boring questions mm-hmm. i mean what how did we get here which i think is is was one of scott's questions why is it now still going to take weeks and months for this supply to come how much is coming is this actually going to fix the problem not only in the in the midterm but in in the long term and you know we have a minister of procurement i realize this was health canada but where's the minister of procurement isn't that her only job in the federal government and i just it doesn't make sense to me and again why is it happening? That's a simple question that should be answered. I don't know if we're ever going to have that answer, Jerry, although nothing feeds scarcity like scarcity. I mean, imagine a lot of the people in U.S. border towns ran out and got the medication even if their kids weren't sick because they thought Canadians were going to come across the border and empty them out. Well, they were right. I think that is how they got emptied out because the uh, communities close to the border in the United States are having the same problem due to Canadians coming in and grabbing it and maybe some of them hoarding it. Uh, Hey, they've got 37 bottles here. I'll just take it all. Um, So there was that element. But my wife was just uh, last week, she was in Minneapolis and she said, you wouldn't know there was a problem. You could get everything. You could get every flavor you wanted or whatever. She brought 15 bottles back for some families that we well, know that, has, yeah, that have little kids. going to mule for you. Well, it's $300 a bottle. Why wouldn't you? No, uh, actually, we just gave it to people. Okay, to be clear here. Uh, but but, um, but in, in places that are um, you know not immediately by the border, I don't think the problem is there. The National Post had an article just recently demonstrating that uh, actually we have uh, some element of this problem all the time. We've had it for many, 
many years. We've got labeling requirements and attempts by the Canadian government to, to price fix on drugs. And we have a government problem when it comes to our drug supply. Meanwhile, speaking of budgeting, um, Ontario's finance minister, Peter Bethlen-Falvey, who will be with us at 8.20 this morning, came in with his uh, fall budget update. And uh, let me start with uh, Jerry, actually, on this one. Um, maybe the good minister can explain when he's here at 8.20, but I don't know how we went from such a rosy situation to right back into a deficit. I thought we were done with the deficit for the time being. Well, so did the unions, because they were all saying, oh, you've got, a, you've got a surplus now. You can give us a whole bunch of money. And then now I see articles this morning, well, we're in deficit, so now all kinds of criticism of government spending going on. This is, uh, but I don't know. I think I, I don't know how government accounting works, because it doesn't seem to work the way it does for the rest of us, which is here's how much we have, and so we're going to spend that or a little less than that, it would seem. But uh, I understand that what's happening right now is John Tory's over at Tom's place getting fitted for some new tailored short pants. <laughs> on his way. Yeah. Um, Scott Reed, your thoughts? And I, I mean, when I look at the document, I understand there's a lot of infrastructure spending in the long run that's great for the province but right now we're back into the red this government did not want to be in surplus it it, it can't afford to be in surplus not with what we're going to experience in schools over the course of the winter not with what's happening in the hospital system and the demands they're placing on the federal government for increased transfers um not with the scrutiny of all um uh, of all the other decisions they've made. So they've taken decisions and they've invented massive reserve funds. These guys are like big squirrels with little nuts stuffed everywhere all over Queens Park. That's what they're doing with the money. So we could be in surplus. They just didn't want to be in surplus because, and I, I sort of as a political hack, I understand this, but it's not right. Um, they didn't want to be in surplus. It doesn't suit their political agenda. It would place them in political jeopardy right now to have a balanced budget. That's the God's honest truth. All right. What do you say to that, Deb Hutton? I'm not going to be quite as cynical as my friend Scott Reed. Uh, listen, I don't like deficits. The minister, uh, if he's listening, will know I don't like deficits. I'm one of the few people on earth that still don't like deficits and think they have long-term repercussions. The numbers aside, how much they swung, what it is, what's behind it, isn't as troubling to me as the trend of not keeping a, a, a lid on spending. And I, I understand COVID spending. I understand pre-election spending. I've been around for a long time, but I don't like it. And I'd like to see some restraint because I actually think that does help us recover uh, over the next little while. And I also think it puts government in a better place if you are facing a severe economic downturn. Back for a second to John Tory and Scott Reed. I'll start with you on this one. We don't have to dwell on it forever, but I was reminded of Charlie Brown uh, out trick or treating, and every time they walked away from the house, they would say, "I got bubble gum, I got a chocolate bar," and he would say, "I got a rock." And definitely, if you turned yesterday's budget bag upside down, there was nothing but a rock for John Tory in Toronto. Yeah, um, look, you know Toronto has unique needs because Toronto is unique in the fabric of Ontario. It just is. It's where if you're a newcomer, you come. It's where um, most of the social infrastructure of the province is expended. Uh, so I, I think the mayor has a good case. I, I, rather than saying, you know, here's just going to be like a one-time ex-officio, you know, ex payment of a squillion dollars, though, 
I, I think the province and the city should get together and say, all right, let's actually talk Turkey on raising revenue. Like maybe we should have, and Jerry, please sit down because I'm afraid I might blow your brains out. Why don't, why why won't the province allow the the city to say, all right, you can have an excise tax uh, that operates within the city? Like if if Toronto wants more money, it can raise more money. It can actually say, all right, we're going to generate more money. It needs provincial concurrence to do that. Province doesn't want to do it because it doesn't want to look like it's okaying tax uh, hikes but i i think that's where the conversation's got to go because it's unsustainable what toronto needs versus what toronto gets okay jerry your head is still intact yeah, I, I think that there is too much power vested in the provincial governments in this country. Municipalities should have more power. We took a baby step in that regard with a strong mayor system for Mississauga and Toronto. It's just those two cities, isn't it, at this point? Um, yeah, okay. And yeah. and, um, and that, I, it, I, I would say if I were the premier, I, I would say to the mayors, hey, go ahead. You want to raise taxes? Wear it. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I don't have to live in Toronto. I can move. It's only about a, a hundred meters or so for me to go from where I am now to be in Mississauga. They don't want to raise taxes. Justin Trudeau is one of the few leaders at an international summit who was not invited to a one-on-one with the president of China. Deb Hutton, some people's analysis would be that's because, you know, Canada's finally standing up for something, but others will insist it's because Justin Trudeau is thought of as a joke. So uh, this may surprise you, John, but I actually think this is good news for Trudeau. I think this is, and, and what he needs to do is follow it up with a very clear strategy around how we're going to deal as a country with China. So I actually do think this is good news for him. I think it's the, the right approach for Canada uh, and good riddance, I say. Okay. Jerry Igar, when you consider the rough two, three years that Canada and China have been through with Huawei and the two Michaels and all sorts of other things, and Melanie Jolie making a speech last week where she said it's time for us to pivot away from China, maybe it's no surprise we're getting the cold shoulder. Well, maybe I think Deb is right because then he doesn't, uh, Trudeau doesn't have to talk about what conversation he might have had with China regarding the recent arrest of a spy here in Canada, and what about the financing of candidates, apparently both liberal and conservative? And Pierre Polyev is calling for an investigation, even if it hits conservatives. Trudeau doesn't want to talk about that to Canadians, so I'm sure he doesn't want to talk with China about it. So um, it gets him off the hook. Scott Reid, you would have dealt in the Prime Minister's office with some international relations. Is there something not working here, or is this deliberate strategy? No, it's it's a deliberate consequence. Uh, I met with Xi when we were in uh, Beijing. We actually had a state dinner put on for us by Xi. So, you know, I, I've interacted with these guys. Look, here's the truth of the matter. Um, yes, it's a consequence of post the two Michaels, Canada has toughened its stance and rhetoric, and as a consequence, China won't meet directly, and it's its version of a snub. Okay, I don't actually think that's a good thing. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a failure on the part of Trudeau. I think it's an inevitability if you're going to take that stance. But how do we deal with Chinese aggression? Um, how do we deal with uh, the threats that are increasing around Taiwan? How do we deal with the interference from an espionage standpoint, both in elections around the world and in terms of critical 
infrastructure. How do we deal with all of these questions? I don't think it's going to be by pretending that the second largest economy, arguably the largest economy in the world, is sitting on an island and we're all going to pretend not to touch it. We're going to have to engage with China, but we can no longer pretend that by engaging with China, we're going to make them more like that, us, that they're going to become more democratic and more small L liberal. They're not. It's the gigantic generational challenge for uh, for all Western uh, nations. And uh, I don't think we can do this sort of offshoring, friendshoring thing that Christian Freeland th- uh, talks about. I think we got to figure out a way to to engage with China without surrendering to their increasingly um, awful values. Deb Hutton, I think I remember that you're on my short list of people who are completely exhausted by Donald Trump. And yet we can't ignore him. He apparently is going to declare tonight that once again, he's running for president. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think if there's one thing we can all agree on in Trump, that his ego has no limits whatsoever. Uh, I think it's a mistake for the Republican Party. Uh, it may turn out to be a mistake for Trump. I don't know, don't care, quite frankly. Um, and But I do think, even though he's going to run, I am hopeful that uh, he will not be successful as the candidate for the Republicans. Yeah, I suspect that in the last week, the geography has changed so much that this is not going to go his way. But we'll know more when he makes his pronouncement tonight. My thanks to the three of you, Scott Reed, Deb Hutton, Jerry Agar. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.